Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Go Knights Adams and Christian Charge-On Simmons. Welcome into episode 193. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCASimmons, at Night Sports Now, and at Pegasus Podcast. Christian, how are you doing? Doing very well. How are you doing? Good. We're both wearing hats this week. We are both. I'm so, still in a hat. Crucial update yep. for our audio listeners. <laughs> Did not get a haircut in the last week. So, which it, which in my defense, we're recording six days, six days after our last podcast. So wait, no, it's oh yeah, yeah. We recorded last Tuesday. That's yeah. Right. So I didn't have a full week to get it done. So unfortunately, it hasn't happened. <laughs> if we had recorded tomorrow, would you have gotten one today? No. Okay. Well. I don't know when it's happening. You were supposed to say yes. So I don't know if I've said on the podcast before, but I really hate haircuts. They're one of my least favorite things to do in the world. So I just always procrastinate a very long time on them and just let myself look very bad. And we're in that phase right now. So I don't like, I just don't like the process of going to get a haircut. I feel like it's always, you have to wait for a long time and then like you get all itchy and like they wash it out and everything, but like, you're still kind of just like, eh, I don't know. It just feels like a whole ordeal. But then after I get a like after I'm done getting a haircut, I was like, yeah, I really needed to do this like two weeks ago. This looks so much better. So the reason I don't like it, and this is always a great thing to say when you're a podcast host, is I don't like talking to people. And I hate that they always try to talk to me. And I don't I don't you, have a haircut person. I know some people have a specific person. I don't have that. And it's just always the most painful I, conversation ever of, oh, what do you do? I do this. Cool. Where? Like I just just cut yeah. the hair. Just cut the hair. At like, this point, I have I have the same girl that cuts my hair. And if you like, it would be hilarious if anyone I knew were like to be there while I was getting a haircut because you would think that I'm like the most talkative, like social person ever because like she kind of forces me to be like, she just, she talks and like, we just have a full conversation. It's like, it's, and it's not like one of those things where it's like, stop talking to me. It's like actually like real, like, Oh, it's nice. Like, cool. It's like friendly conversation, but I'm not used to that because I don't usually like to talk to people. I don't know. Yeah. I do want to clarify if you are, a, if you are a Pegasus podcast listener, if you, and you, if you ever see us out in the wild, I'm happy to talk to you. Uh, we have in the past, like, don't, <laughs> don't, don't be like, oh, that's Christian. He doesn't like to talk to people. So I'm not going to say yeah. anything. It's just specifically people that I, I don't like small talk. I can't do it. I've never, I, ne- there, I feel like some point in life, everyone was taught how to do small talk. And I just was not given that lesson. And I, I, <laughs> you missed, I, that I class that missed day. it apparently. I was homesick yeah. that day. And so I hate it, but yeah. Well, it's funny. Cause yeah, cause we just met um, one of our listeners, it's not his full name. I, I noticed he said this on, on Twitter recently, but Clay Pasco is his Twitter. And he actually asked us, we were doing a mailbag today in case you didn't see the tweet. Um, we're just going to answer questions. He actually sent us in a question. So we have one of his questions, but we met him at the basketball game against Oklahoma a couple weeks ago. Um, and I, I wish I could say it just to impress everyone. Cause I remember he said on Twitter, like that's not his last name. He shortened it because most people can't say his last name. And I, I think he that. said that because the last time he sent in a question, I said, if your name is Clay Pasco, that's a really cool name. But it wasn't his full name, apparently. But it's still it's cool. Too bad. I still like it. Um, yeah. I don't know. Anything else? Should we get into the questions? Because we have a 10 to answer. There's a lot to answer, a lot to get through here. I think we're, yeah, we I, it, we like doing these mailbag episodes every now and then. Since we did the first one, it was a lot of fun. I just want to say at the top of this, and we'll get into this. Our listeners are smarter than we are because some of these questions are really interesting. Like we got so many where I'm like, that's such an interesting topic. And we had to, (laughs) unfortunately, we've had to cut a couple because they could kind of be full podcast topics. And both of them we may circle back to as we sort of get into the off season. But really, really awesome questions. Shout out to you guys for being um, intelligent. That's awesome. Yeah, we appreciate it. Um, You also, a lot of you love to ask like multi-part questions. And when I say multi-part questions, a lot of them aren't like, related questions it's just three questions it's just three different questions we have a few of those that we'll get to but we'll start out hot we'll start out with jp gilbert is gus the worst ucf head coach in 20 years that he gave us the answer so i don't know if we have to answer he said trick question the answer is yes i guess we can just move on um i i did say it, it it's i always end the mailbag tweets with we'll answer anything and jp always makes me regret that and this was another example because <laughs> i don't really want to have a topic on an actual ucf podcast where we're like gus malls on worst coach ever but Here's what's interesting, because I actually thought about it. For the all the UCF head coaches of the last 20 years, you can kind of make a case for all of them being the worst when you actually think about it, right? Because and Frost, you... Scott Frost has had one good season his entire head coaching career. And sure, they yeah. went undefeated under him, but it kind of makes you wonder would that have continued if he'd stayed. Josh Heupel took over a 13-0 team, and they were 6-4 and by the time he left. George O'Leary was George O'Leary. Like, you can actually make a case for all of them for being the worst. So it is interesting. Well, what was funny that I looked at 
if I wanted to answer the question, which I don't know if I will, but if I wanted to answer it, here's what I would say. Um, Georgia Leary had a worse win percentage. He was 81 and 68, which was a 544 percentage, but he also won four conference titles and won a Fiesta Bowl. Gus is 24 and 16, which is a 600 win percentage, but hasn't won anything. Georgia Leary also took over a program with zero history of any kind. Yeah. They had never been to a bowl game before him. They'd never done anything before him. They'd had one yeah. nine and two season with Dante Culpepper. That was all they'd ever done at the, at the FBS level. That, that was it. So yeah, it's so probably say all that. You think so? I think so. And I defended Hypel at the time because I was one of the few people on UCF Twitter who understood that UCF did not have the money to fire him when everyone wanted him gone. But I just, you you look at the trajectory of he inherited a 13-0 team that returned everybody. And then he went 12-1, which was awesome. Then 10-3, and then 6-4. and Like it was just the decline each year was, and, and recruiting was bad under Hypel. I mean, it was, I don't yeah. know what would have happened if he would, would have stayed. I think they would have long-term been fine, but they were probably two seasons from digging out of the hole they've gotten into with him. So I, I think it's Hypel. I was at a low point, like at the end of Heupel's tenure. And I was like, really just not like, I was at a really low point with UCF football. And then they hired Gus and I got really excited. And I've had, we've had, they've had some good moments over the last few years. And I got us in the move to the big 12 has helped. Um, but I'm not quite as low now as I was because there's still a lot to look forward to. But as far as like, I don't, and this is going to sound dumb, but I just like, I've never felt further away from the two years 2017 and 2018 like it just feels like that was well did you know that we've actually never been further away than we are in this yeah that's why i'm saying it's going to sound dumb that i said it because it's like yeah it's true it just feels so long ago the thing about there were i don't know because that went the gabriel's freshman year they went 10 and 3 and i felt like that was a good season it was they finished top 25 like yes that was absolutely a good season. what was it two of the three losses or was it all three losses were by like that combined like seven points, I think. The three like losses were by a combined seven points. It was so, yeah. Cincinnati. It was to it was Cincinnati by three, Pitt by one, and Tulsa by three, if I remember right. I do wonder, and I, I this is just complete hindsight because I don't really remember that much of the year because I've erased it from my memory. But like the 2020 season was just so weird. Like if that was if everything, if the, everything was normal, do you think they're still like? What do you think they finished in 2020? Do you think they still still finished six and four? <sighs> they would have been. Excuse me, by the way, if I, I'm getting over a cold, so I'm coughing every now and then, but um. It would have been a better season because UCF led the nation in opt-outs in 2020. I feel like we lost that context a bit over time. Um, mm-hmm. There was also just stuff going on. UCF had the whole trying to make the players union for the AAC and oh, all that yeah. right before the season. It, it, it just And we've talked about at length about the power of the bounce house, and we kind of saw that this year with Oklahoma State, and that there being no crowd was just, just killed them that year. More, I mean, teams that rely on their home atmospheres were definitely affected more than ones that weren't so i don't think that was ever a great team because the defense yeah. didn't really exist that year but it, it there they definitely would have been better than six and four yeah the further we we get away from it too is just so bizarre the whole setup with head coach josh heupel and then defensive head coach randy shannon yeah danny white did a lot of good stuff but that whole th- if you don't know what we're talking <laughs> about like Josh Heupel wasn't really Randy Shannon's boss. Randy Shannon was hired at the same time as Josh Heupel. They were both hired by Danny White. And it was kind of a not a true co-head coach setup, but sort of like that. And that led to a very divided locker room, which in hindsight, big mistake. But what can yeah, you do? Not ideal. Um, let's move on. Um, we're gonna go to hope I'm pronouncing this right. Zion or Zion. I'm not sure, but thank you for the three questions. Um A, a B so and C, a, B, and well C. labeled. Not a one, two, and three, an A, B, and C. A is, can you give us some some of the backstory to the rumor of Frost being interested in the offensive coordinator position? I do you want to do you want to take the lead here? Because I, yeah. I just remember again, this is the whole you telling me like, you're my newsletter, so it's better to come from you than my version of what you told me. Yeah, the backstory is that Frost was interested <laughs> in the OC position. Um, I everyone heard different stuff when that was going on. I, there were there was stuff out there that he actually interviewed for the job there was stuff out there that he'd reached out but i i don't i genuinely don't know how far those conversations went but that was true there was there was at least some sort of mutual conversation there i think it would have probably gone very badly and i think we talked about this on the podcast at the time because think of the season that ucf just had but now think of that season where scott frost is the offensive coordinator and it just feels like a total nightmare because every game they win I feel like the thing would be, wow, they won because of Frost. Gus needs to step aside and let him be the head coach. And every game they lost, it would be like, <laughs> wow, Gus needs to get out of here. This was his fault unless Frost be the head coach. So I just think if you're Gus, you would have been a little crazy to do that higher. I also just don't think they 
I, they gel. Like, I just think if you're returning to a school where you were the head coach as a coordinator, I, I don't that I don't know if that works. I just don't know if that works. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, we're not we're not we'll come back to BNC because this is like the perfect opportunity to answer this question from TDH24 at Turndown Hutch. Would you like to see a Frost rehire in a post-Malzahn era of UCF football? Um, I wrote down in my notes, yes, but also probably not. <laughs> I feel like that sums it up, right? Because <laughs> I'd love to see it just because I think it would be like, I'm thinking vibes guy, like the vibe would be like, oh, wow, like this is crazy. Like he's back and let's see if they can. And But I don't know. I just don't know if it would go nearly as well. as. Like, I think everybody's idea of how it would go is just, oh, it would be like 2017 again. But like a lot has changed. Things didn't go well for him in Nebraska. Not that it's the same job, but it's just like, College football's changed since then. I just don't know if him coming back would be what everyone thinks it would be. But I don't I'd still think, also yeah. kind of like to see it, but not really. I've changed on this <laughs> because I, for a long time, I think I've even said on the podcast, I'm like, sure. And, and listen, if it's a situation where, say that Gus retires in three years and in these next three years, Scott Frost gets a job somewhere, like maybe as a coordinator or a G5 head coach and does a good job and you can justify it, but... A, UCF could in no way justify that hire right now. Not All he's done in his coaching career is fail. It, it, that 2017 dream season is the only good season he's had as a head coach. And I think part of the issue is that, was Scott Frost a great coach at UCF? And I brought this up before, or did Scott Frost have Mackenzie Milton? Because we saw Josh Heupel come in and basically have the exact same level of success because he had Mackenzie Milton. And, and Frost brought him in and gets credit for that. And Frost was a really strong recruiter. But culturally, Nebraska was a mess. Um, the locker room was not in a good state. And I think a lot of the UCF situation was that O'Leary was one of those last really sort of hard-ass military-style coaches in college football. And that was part of what led to him losing the locker room in those final seasons and everything that happened with that. And Frost is a very much, I'm your buddy. I'm like, I'm just like you. Let, let's be friends type head coach. And I think that that hire was perfect for that moment. I don't know mm-hmm. if, but then they that same hire at Nebraska didn't work. And so I just don't know if, I think it was more solid timing in Mackenzie Milton than him genuinely being an awesome coach. I also think that college football is very different today than it was in 2017. And Frost would be stepping into a very different job. And, you know, he recruited well at Nebraska and they still didn't win games. It's not like they weren't recruiting. So I, I, yeah. I just, the only thing you'd be hiring him on is 2017 was awesome. And that's just not enough for me. Yeah. And you, I wonder what, what he's going to do. I'm amazed he hasn't, maybe he's just done. I mean, we're two years since he's been fired more than two years. He got fired. No, yeah. A year and a half. It was at the beginning of last season. Yeah. Is that right? Or was he fired in 2022? No, 2022 season. Is that 2022 season? Right. Yeah. So it's still been a year and a couple months. But the fact that he's going to be sitting out because he's going to obviously he doesn't have a job for 2024. I never would have guessed that he would sit out two full seasons. So now it's at the point where is he trying to get back in or is he just moved on? He's made quite a lot of money in his life. He he can probably just do something else. I mean, I don't know. It's strange because like the obviously two years now, like two years or two seasons, he'll be unless he gets on and on as an analyst somewhere, which I feel like you can still hire them like later in the cycle. But Unless that happens, that's two seasons. And like the more seasons you start to just add on where he's been out of coaching, like the harder I think it's going to be back, get, get, yeah. like to get back in. Unless it again, I mean, it's going to have to obviously be as a coordinator. And then, you know, I don't even necessarily only... think a coordinator's on the table. I think you would probably need yeah. to go the analyst route or a positions coach. I liked the, I liked the buzz about him being Iowa's coordinator. That would be that fun. That was funny. But the other thing um, is the longer he sits out, college football is changing so much right now. It's in this sort of stage of evolution is if he sits out a couple more years, it's like he's not even returning to the same sport. I just, it's I don't so know. weird too, because he's still like pretty young. Yeah. But like the way I feel about him coming back to coach after a few years out of it is like how I felt when John Gruden came back in the NFL, like after years of not being a head coach, he was just on ESPN for years. And then like, it was like, wow, that's like, like older coach from an older era is coming back. Like, Saying that about Frost is weird because he's still like what he's in his forties, right? But I don't know if he's still he's forty nine. He's 49. I never could. Okay, I never had like a accurate like gauge of how old he was. I mean, it was a weird thing. Um, but yeah, just like he's still relatively young for a head coach. But it's like him coming back into it. I'm like, oh, it's one of these like older <laughs> coaches coming back. But I just when he was know. at UCF for that 2017 season, there was no transfer portal. There was no NIL. 
there was a power five and not a power four. There was no realignment even on the horizon. There were the clock rules were different. I mean, it's just like the sport is just, yeah. it's a completely different sport now. So I, I, I just, just because he was able to be successful in one era under one situation doesn't mean he would be in another. So yeah. yeah. Um, Too bad. Sorry, Scott. It's weird. I, hope, I mean, I hope if he wants to get back into it, I'm rooting for him, but I don't know. Me too. It just doesn't seem like it's happening. I don't know. Uh, we'll go back to B and C now from the previous questions. Um, B was, what kind of season would it take for UCF to part ways with Coach Gus? Um, I don't think they can. Yeah, they go 0-12. Not this time. year. Maybe if they literally went 0-12, maybe they would somehow find a way. But let me tell you right they, now, there is absolutely no way they can afford to fire him. He would have to just basically be told to retire and somehow agree to that and just, leave money on the table. What I was going to say is I feel like I have a hard time at this point seeing them firing him. I feel like it's much more likely that they come to an agreement where it's like, all right, we will mutually part rate by part ways. Like if you don't decide to leave slash retire, we're going to fire you. So like, just go ahead and decide to leave slash retire. Yeah. But Gus Malone could always the pull up. You owe me money. I'm staying until you you pay me. I mean, they, they genuinely physically could not fire him. So I, it, it, it almost doesn't matter, which is a good thing and a bad thing. I think it's a bad thing from the perspective of, um, who is Terry Mahajer, fighting with for him when they gave him this contract extension was there so like <laughs> I, there weren't any other schools Ghosts. offering and it's why you were you just negotiating against yourself i don't, I don't understand yeah. but from that perspective it's bad from on the other side it's also i don't know if coaching under pressure is always a good thing i think you see coaches sort of take shortcuts and do things they shouldn't uh i know it's different because it's the nfl but i was reading some article recently about the nfl about how coaches are not developing uh quarterbacks from the draft anymore because the leashes are so short for NFL coaches now they'd rather just go get someone who can be a little better in the interim so there's there's downsides but I yeah I don't know I there's there's no re- reality where he gets fired is it after this season where the bio goes down a little bit like maybe after next season you get fired I don't want to but... say off the top of my head I think so okay. I'm not 100 sure I mean I think it does I don't remember how, I don't know if it goes down to where it's manageable but it does go down I'm pretty sure um and then C was this very recent like news and a recent question if slash when FSU leaves the ACC, how does college football look like after all of the other dominoes fall? First Your off, guess is as good as shout out to Jeanne for three very diverse questions. Yeah. <laughs> We're covering the bases. Yeah. Um, I can just talk for a little bit, bit on this. One That's fine. Um, yeah. I was just texting you about this before we got this question. I was giving you the, the latest. So the latest update with the whole Florida state thing, if you don't know what's going on is Florida state and the ACC for a couple months now have been suing each other. And they're they're still in the, the they're still in the stage where they're arguing over like where the case is going to be heard, whether it will be heard in Tallahassee, where Florida State is based, or in North Carolina, where the ACC is based. Kind of dumb that that's where we're at. But and the deal there is that Florida State and all the other ACC schools signed a grant of rights that runs through I believe 2036, and the grant of rights cedes their TV rights to the conference. The conference holds their TV rights. And why FSU is so pissed is because we've seen things like Texas and Oklahoma leave the SEC, right, or all these Pac-12 teams leave the Pac-12. They can do that because they pay an exit fee and they leave. The ACC does not have an exit fee. They have that mm-hmm. grant of rights. It's we own your television rights and there's nothing you can do about it until 2036. So Florida State is suing to try to break the grant of rights. The understanding is there's really is no way to break it because it's apparently what's interesting is the document's power is how simple it is. It's a very straightforward. There's like there aren't a lot of loopholes. It's just, yeah, we own them. Sucks for you. And the latest update, which came out last Friday, is that the ACC has sort of given an olive branch to Florida state of saying that, Hey, if you wanted to maybe buy back your TV rights on a price we agree upon, which experts believe could be probably in the 300, $350 million range, then they <laughs> could make a deal there. So which Florida state will find that money. So if that happens, then I just don't know because at Florida state, um, excuse me again, I'm trying not to cough. Florida <laughs> state would obviously leave the ACC at that point, but the ACC, it's not like the, the gates are open. Any other teams that also wanted to leave would have to probably pay a similar price tag. So you might see like North Carolina and Virginia leave because it's the worst kept secret in college football that both the big 10 and SEC deeply covet those two programs because it expands them to new and growing television markets. But what hurts the big 12 in that reality is that the ACC doesn't just crumble at that point because like B- Brett Yormark and the Big 12 might say, hey, we now that now that the door's open, we might like to go get Duke or Louisville or maybe Miami. Those schools don't have the money to to pay that, especially if they're not, especially they can probably only justify it in the first place if they're getting an invite to one of the two richest conferences. So the ACC would kind of weirdly hold together anyway, I feel like, unless uh, the only way that it totally collapses is if the ACC loses their case and the grant of rights is dissolved, which I don't see happening. And also now I'm just rambling. I know, but it's also something that a lot of the other conferences are rooting against because they all have grant of rights too. And if, if, if a court rules that one's not good, it means all of them probably aren't good. So even the big 10 sec are like, Hey, maybe, uh, maybe Florida state can just stop here and not, yeah. not get this document voided. So 
it's interesting, but I don't think it would be a full like Pac-12 style dissolution is kind of where I'm going. Yeah, that was a good rundown. I've never felt more like AJ Hawk on the Pat McAfee show, how he just kind of sits there just (laughs) because I had nothing to add there. But no, that was a really good rundown of it. But I guess I'm glad that it wouldn't be like a giant, you know, blow up of everything because I'm kind of sick of those at this point. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I want to see another one right now. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. Say that <clears throat> I'm trying so hard not to cough, guys. I apologize. Say that Florida State leaves, and then I don't know North Carolina and, and Virginia leave as well, and no one else is going to pay that fee. They don't have a home to go to. What happens when the ACC is like, "Hey, UCF, West Virginia, Cincy, what are you guys doing? What's UCF doing in that situation?" I don't think it's it's not it's not stable enough at that point. I don't think probably but... not. Right? You're also aligning yourself yeah. with some really. Like you'd win more games, but you'd be in a way worse conference. I mean, you're aligning yourself with you're, Boston College and Syracuse and Cal and Stanford and SMU. I just I don't think you'd want to do that. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is you're aligning yourself with like if if things were all to blow up again, you're aligning yourselves with the brands who were get would get left out. And like why why I voluntarily just be like yeah we can win more games and regionally it would make more sense, but I don't know it just doesn't seem like. I wouldn't want to. Reg- uh, UCF would win a lot more games, but also like once those teams are gone, is that still considered a power conference? I don't know. It's just, it's, yeah, it's, no, we're going to have to do all this. UCF's in a stable years. spot right now, hilariously enough, um, for now, at least for now, until things change again, but who knows? Um, so we want to do the existential crisis question now, or we want to say that for the end? Oh, my thing? Let's end yeah, with that. Okay, end we'll with end that. with that. All right. Uh, let's go to Clay Pasco, who yeah, he says two things. Uh, will USF ever get invited to a Power Four conference, and will we ever reschedule them within the next five years? So that's part of the question. That's two things within the first part. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. This is again one another one of those things where it's like I can't, I wouldn't have predicted some of the things that have happened like last year or like two years ago. So I don't want to say no, but until things change again drastically. Like I think they are maybe making themselves more attractive if there is going to be another wave of it. Like if they can actually get this stuff across the line where they can get a stadium and they can actually build in the right in the right direction. But as of right now, I still don't know if they've done enough. Yeah, it's interesting because I <clears throat> fighting for my life, guys. Um, if it would only there. be the ACC, right? Like they're never coming to the, the Big 12. That's that's just not happening because the Big 12 has no need for them. It would never make sense. So the question is if the ACC lost some teams, the teams we were just talking about, who would they backfill with? I think Memphis is an obvious choice at that yeah. point. I, I I don't know how close USF is to be. I don't know. I, yeah, it's weird. And as far as would you, are we going to schedule, are we going to see them on the schedule again in the next five years? Well, within the, I don't know if this means like the next five years of schedules because no, I don't believe they have an opening until like the 2030s. Um, but also like, I don't know if they're going to work on getting back on the schedule within the next five years for in the 2030s. It doesn't, if I, if yeah, I guess I get, right I now, know. it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like there's any momentum on either side, to be honest with you. And I don't know. I still, I still think it would be fun. I still think even if they don't want to do it in football from UCF standpoint, it makes sense to do it in all the other sports for travel reasons. And it bothers me. We're not seeing that in other sports. Like there's no reason that men's basketball should, not that I necessarily wanted to see that this year, but not that there's no reason for it to not be happening in those other sports. And I think it's dumb. I also want to point out that that's a next level of petty because Texas and Texas A&M don't like each other. And it's not like, Oh, where rivals don't like each other genuinely as organizations and, and, and like uh, universities hate each other. They, when they split up conferences still played in the other sports. So it's extra weird that UCF and USF aren't doing that. And, I know a lot of UCF fans are like, yeah, leave them in the dirt and all that, but I like beating them. I know that occasionally UCF will lose to them, but there's no team I enjoy beating more than USF, and I miss that. They have done it in some sports. So I was talking actually about this exact question before we even knew it was a question we had for the podcast, but Eric Lopez and I were talking about this at the softball game last so it was Friday. Um, I don't remember how it came up. We were just talking about it, and baseball is hosting USF this year for a weekend Yeah, they're series, the one sport. The beginning of March. I believe, and he brought this up. I believe women's soccer hosted USF last year. Oh, really? I don't. I thought it was I don't that remember. An or was that a? I don't. Oh, uh, that could be a good point. I don't remember honestly. Um, I don't really remember. But yeah, we're, I, it was weird to me to not see it in either either basketball program. I don't know if softball had the. And this, this was the point that he brought up to me was 
softball because the Big 12 has so many conference games, there's just less room on the schedule for it. Yeah, that's true. Um, they play more conference games in the Big 12. So I don't know. I, I think I, football wise, it doesn't seem like it's coming anytime soon. Like it doesn't even seem like something that is an interest for, I don't even say anyone. Like, I don't know. It's, you don't hear anything about it. Um, and anytime the question's been asked, I think on either side, it's just been kind of been like, oh, like we'll see. I don't know. Um, but I don't know. And then the other part of Clay's question, uh, in your guys' time at UCF, did you ever have weird run ins with the players? He says he met Jordan Davis at Night Library and used the bathroom next to Javon. <laughs> That's wow. Appreciate the insight um <laughs> there. You want to answer first? Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't have any like that interesting ones. I think that is it football or is it anything? It can be anything. I okay. Think. I uh, well, I will say we had we did have a friend, um, our friend Sarah, who uh, you told me not to say this on the podcast, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Who was our photographer when we were at UCF for Night Sports Now, and she had she got like a DM from a player, which was something. But um, I my weirdest one honestly was that I went to UCF. I lived in Tower Three, if you know where that is. And why are you yeah. laughing? Just because everybody knows who the player is. He DM'd a lot. Probably. He DM'd a lot. He DM'd. If you were a woman who went to UCF in 2018, you got a DM from this player. But um, so I lived in Tower Three when I was at UCF, which athletes live in the Tower dorms. And when I started covering UCF stuff initially, I got on with it was at the Central Florida Future, which was the school newspaper, which closed pretty quickly after that because that's my kind of luck. I was covering the softball team, first stuff I ever covered. Then the next fall, I got on with an organization that also no longer exists called the Central Florida Focus, and I was covering the women's basketball team. And if you lived in towers, you know that tower, each tower is like a U, like it's like there's a middle part, then a section and a section. So I was off in one section on the third floor and it was, I don't know why it was this way, but it was like my room with my roommates. And then we were surrounded by the women's basketball team. And <laughs> I don't know why that was the case. So it was just this really awkward thing after every single game. Cause I would be filing my story and like, then like heading back. I'm just like, kind of like trailing the women's basketball team trying to make it act like the person that's covering their game isn't following them back to their freaking dorms like going out of my way like look i have a key card this and there were lots of luck. like very awkward like sort of like half waves in the hallway like yeah i'm that guy who asked you about your poor shooting performance last night how's it going like I, it, that it, 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 and it was just constant because i covered them the whole yeah. season yeah um i have a couple that i you actually brought this one up that i, I honestly forgot about it which is funny because it meant a lot to me at the time. We were walking after media day one, one year. I think it was 2018. We were walking after media day and Wyatt Miller walked by and he called me boss. I have no idea why. He was like, what's up, boss? And I was like, hey, I don't know. Like, he didn't have to acknowledge me. I thought that was very kind of him. Um, the other that, thing one is, was, that one wasn't even an interesting thing. It was just that it happened and you in the moment, because I'm walking with you, were like, that was great, man. And then for the next two <laughs> years, you were just like, remember the time he called us boss or called me boss? Yeah. Like, that was just so great. Good time. Um, shout out Wyatt Miller. Uh, the other one isn't really a player interaction. It was it was just a weird thing that happened. Like I think it was 2017. Um, my friend slash roommate Matt and I we went to Wingstop, and we went to go sit down at a table, and there was a credit card that had been left on the table, and I was like picked it up. I was like, oh, let me go like return this, and then I realized the credit card belonged to Mackenzie Milton's mom. So we were like, oh like where like we can just i guess return this like we know rather than give it like to the people at wingstop like we can return this to ucf like somehow we'll get it back to mckenzie he'll get it to his mom or whatever so matt ended up taking care of the whole thing because i don't i just i don't know if i had class or what but he went to the i think it was it must have been the wayne dench center or wherever he went and kind of was just like hey um or he might have even dm'd mckenzie and, and mckenzie was we were like hey we found your mom's credit card um and so they kind of rearranged to get it back to him and i guess he took it back into the uh back into the facility and we returned we returned um milton's mom's credit card without we didn't buy anything so i guess it was good a good thing that we found it rather than someone who would have used it for worse purposes i'm trying so, I'm, I'm trying to find the text messages on this because i know they exist and i can't find them all i can find is at one point i said did you ever figure out the whole credit card thing and you just replied no lol we still have it <laughs> oh I mean, see i don't really remember I don't remember how long it took. I just feel like I don't know if he DM'd him on Instagram or what happened, but I think McKenzie finally replied and was like, yeah, go ahead and bring it to the, the football. Side. I remember it took a while for some reason to get no, it back. I don't, Cause I just I remember for the, remember. for the longest, like, like not like days or anything, but just like there was a stretch of time where I was just like, ah, Bailey has McKenzie Milton's mom's credit card. What a strange <laughs> thing. But yeah. yeah. And then because, because Matt handled the whole thing, I think he still, I don't know if he still has it or if, what what's the whole deal is, but he had McKenzie still has the credit card. Uh, his, no, his phone number. 
Um, so yeah, that was the one story. I mean, I'm sure there were probably more, but those were the two that popped into my mind. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I know I'm, I'm sure some of you are hoping for something really crazy and that there's just nothing. I, I, I brutally made fun of a line bike one time and was like standing two feet from it with you telling you how stupid it is that they're USF colors. Then Titus Davis like brushed past me to get on the line bike and ride away while I'm mid sentence of how much I ate them. So I don't even cool. remember, like, I don't recall that at all. I remembered it because I was mortified. Like, it wasn't a thing where it was like, oh, we're off in the distance. Like, I'm standing two feet from the line bike, chastising it. He's like, excuse me. And like, get on the line bike and ride away. And I'm like, great, crush that. Good job, Christian. Um, cool. All right. We'll go on to those line question. bikes were so stupid. Can I just, if you went to UCF during the, I'm assuming they're gone now, right? There's no way those are still on campus. I don't know. I they also remember. have they, they have the scooters now, right? There was a line bike in the freaking pond outside the student union there was a traffic issue one day because someone parked a line bike in front of the exit to a parking garage so none of the cars could get out of it, running it over there was a line bike on top of it they were everywhere it was it was nonsense it became a thing like i think people were like putting them they were parking them in like weird places like people would park them outside a classroom i'd leave class and someone just has a line bike parked I, man <laughs> what a time all right we'll go to a question from mike at mcguckin underscore m6 uh, it says, who's the biggest loss for UCF in the transfer portal era? A player at UCF that went on to have or be great at other another school. Mikey Keene. No, there's a case. It's not my, there's not. I mean, <laughs> um, it's I honestly Gabriel, think it's right. Yeah, it's Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, it has to be. It is. I think like I, I realized this last night as I was looking at this. Dylan Gabriel was on pace for the most passing touchdowns he'd ever thrown for slash whatever throw. For. I mean, we'll, we'll see what he does this season, but like. The pace that he was on in 2021 under Gus, I know like everyone's talking about how he wasn't a fit for Gus's system, which I guess he wasn't, but now he runs, he runs all the time now. So who even yep. cares? Um, but he, he had thrown nine touchdowns in I think three games. And if you extrapolate all that out, it would have been, I guess what, 36 touchdowns. Um, and that would have been his, his career high still to this day. Um, so yeah, I would say it was Dylan. The only other case I would, it's not even necessarily a, a situation where they went on there to was be so great. One other name I listed, so I'm really curious if you're going to say the same name. But go ahead. When it, it's like they didn't go on to like be so great at other schools, but I just packaged kind of Tatum Bethune and Jeremiah Jean Baptiste together just because yep. of what it resulted in for UCF's linebacker room. Like it wasn't even necessarily a thing where it's like I mean they were both good players and they both like had their best years I think at UCF, um, but it was just the fact that they left UCF's linebacker room completely bare and yeah. That's why they were such big losses. So the reason you can, the reason, yeah, it was Tatum Bethune. The reason you can Mm -hmm. make a case for Tatum Bethune over Dylan Gabriel is that, because I was sort of thinking about with Dylan, if he hadn't transferred, right? 2022 is obviously a significantly better season if he's a quarterback versus JRP and then Mikey. I think, I think we're all in firm agreement on that. And they probably Mm -hmm. go to the Cotton Bowl. They may even win the Cotton Bowl, totally different year. But to me, it kind of stops there because the only reason Dylan Gabriel is still in college is because school, like he can make more money in college than he can going to the NFL. And that wouldn't have been the case if he'd stayed at UCF. So he would have either just transferred later or gone to the NFL. So it's like, I think you can only buy like one more season with him. Tatum Bethune, like if he hadn't transferred, could have still been playing for UCF this year and probably would have. And I just think of, you know, I know that one line, it's not the same difference as a star quarterback, but I just think of how different is this season if Tatum Bethune's out there? I, I think it's actually notably different. See, I did have that thought too because I was like the drop off from Gabriel to Mikey slash JRP slash Mikey again slash JRP again <laughs> wasn't as big as the drop off from Tatum Bethune to the linebackers left. Yeah, so it's like you could make that case where it's as far as how it affected UCF, like they got by with with not as good quarterback play, but decent to solid quarterback play versus things went catastrophic when they lost their linebackers. So yeah. I don't know. I, outside of those two, I can't even really think of like. There there are guys that you would have wished would have stayed. I think you wish Ryan O'Keefe would have stayed. I think you yeah. wish that Jalen Robinson would have stayed. But there's no one else where it's it's like, yeah, I, I just, man, I, it keeps me up at night that they left. And, and which is skill... funny because I know a lot of schools have a lot of those guys. And UCF yeah. really doesn't. And I feel like every skill player that has left UCF has like for, for what should have probably been better situations has done worse or has like, cause like Jalen Robinson, I think bounced to like two more schools. Yeah, He's TCF. already, he went to Ole Miss and didn't play. Then he went to TCU. Jeremiah, even Jeremiah and Gene Baptiste, not just talking about skill players. He went to Ole Miss and I don't think he ever really played there. Um, yeah. Cam Good won a national championship. So I think you probably have to, uh, have to say that one worked out, but he was really good. 
he was really good. But again, that's not a position where I'm like, oh man, <laughs> like, yeah. if no, only it's... they had Cam Good this year. I just so it, it's actually kind of crazy that UCF hasn't had more. And that's presumably going to continue this year because they didn't lose anyone major in the portal this year. They lost Josh Ellisgar, who still hasn't found a home, by the way. That, I, yeah, that seems weird to me. I don't understand what's going on there because he's, I, I, I mean, I, I, he's not a dramatic loss for UCF, but he's still a really good player. And Corey Thornton, who, I, you know, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, the other one, <laughs> this wasn't even really a, not like the biggest loss because I think they've been fine without him, but Matt Lee was like a player that like, I wish yeah, I man, I but actually, then again, yeah, the only, the, I mean, I, I think he's been doing well at, at Miami based on all the PFF stuff I've seen, but all I can ever think about now with Matt Lee is that picture of him crying, him crying. Sideline, which is really unfortunate. It, it is unfortunate. Um, just an I, unfortunate visual. But. Is Matt Lee the most hated transfer? Feels like but why is it? Cause he went to Miami. I think, I think it's Dylan a couple Gabriel's things. I think hated. it's I think it's it's that he was a UCF legacy, and I think it's he went to Miami. Um, mm. I think it's those two things because UCF fans really enjoy watching him fail, and which is weird to me because I think that was just he left because Miami. Like if if they threw a bag at you, you'd leave too as a fan. I, and that's kind of the point I always want to make to fans whenever you're really mad at a player for leaving. And I, I we've all been there. I, it's actually funny, like how much college football has changed. I don't know if I ever said this on the podcast. It was a few months ago at this point. I, for some reason, because someone made a comment about it, I listened back to our, um, our Dylan Gabriel left leaving episode, our re- reaction to him leaving. And it just did not age well. We were just saying dumb stuff on it, like really antiquated stuff about like NIL. And it's, it's just stuff changes. But I, the thing I always just want to say to fans when you're mad at a player for transferring is this player doesn't have... Well, it's actually funny because Matt Lee kind of did, but this player doesn't have the relationship to UCF that you have. They're not living and dying by the result of this program. They're not willing to put, you know, their own future and their own career on the line for for this school. And I think the important thing to keep in mind is that UCF's not willing to do that for its players either. Gus Malzahn has brought in recruits who they, you know, it's the whole pitch to their parents and them of, oh my God, we're going to turn you into these great young men. You're going to have an amazing four years here. We love you. We're going to feature you this way. You're perfect for our offense or defense. Then you come in, you suck. And at the end of the season, it's a handshake and please get out because we need your scholarship for someone else. So I just, there's no loyalty on either side. So I just, I don't know how you can demand it of players when we have no issue with the staff getting rid of players who aren't performing to bring in better options. Right. No, that's fair. Um, Going on to the next one, which is one that I've probably been dreading the most, I think. It's from Cameron Cox and it says, start bench cut. Milton Bortles Culpepper. You know what sucks is I had a really easy time with this. Did you? <laughs> I actually did. I still I don't know what I was going to do. I'm going to, I might, I was thinking actually just like flipping a coin live on the podcast, but I don't know. What was your answer then? My, my, my joke answer slash real answer was to start all three of them and bench Cameron for asking the question. <laughs> You're oh, on man. the bench now, but I don't know. Forcing you, you go to ahead to say mean things. I went start Culpepper, bench Milton, cut Bortles. That's actually what I wrote down. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I It's like, it feels icky to do it because they're all incredible players. But I, Dante Culpepper, it's a little bit of, I'm just I'm just accepting what people before me have said because there's very little footage out there of him. You can't even really find box scores for a lot of his games, but everyone I've ever met who watched him play for UCF has talked about how freaking transcendent he was and how yeah. he was like a tank that moved like a Lamborghini. And just, and I that would still play today. Like that would still yeah. be... Yes. Like if we're doing this in today's age, like even now he would, it was not like one of those where it's like, oh yeah, it was a different era back then. No. Like he, he was only good in that era. Like, no, he would still dominate in this era too. So. Can you imagine Gus with Dante Culpepper? Oh, I have imagined it. Like, I feel like we've <laughs> had this conversation before maybe because yeah, yeah, no, I, I, that's actually what I wrote down. So it's funny that we both, I didn't say, I wouldn't say I had an easy time with it, but that was like my initial instinct where it was like, yeah, and it, it's harsh, I feel like, cutting Blake Bortles just yeah, because he was incredible. he's Blake Bortles and he was incredible. And I don't know. It's just that's where I went. I don't have I also any really have more realized on it. that, and I hate it because now we're just feeding it. I think the younger UCF fans, and I'm generalizing a little bit here, like the post-2017 fans and some who came on right around then, don't think much of Bortles because they only really know him as the NFL, the NFL player, Blake Bortles, yeah. where he wasn't successful. But guys at UCF, he was incredible. I mean, he and Milton, it's not a super discernible difference between them. I mean, they were both. I think Milton had definitely passed him by the mm-hmm. end of his career, but Blake Bortles was really freaking good. I always wonder, and it wouldn't have ever made sense for him to do this because he was, what, the number three pick from Jacksonville in 2014? Yep. 2014 draft. But if he would have come back for 2014. They won the conference title without him anyway. I mean, yeah. they, that would have been a, a really good team. They probably would have been in near six bowl if he'd come back. But again, and it was one of those things where it, it was going into the Fiesta Bowl, if I remember right, it was kind of up in the air if he was going to leave yeah. or not. Like you figured he was, but it was, you never know. Then the Fiesta Bowl happened. It was like, oh, he's out of here. <laughs> I don't, I, I wish I could go back and remember. Cause I, I would say like, I didn't follow the draft as closely now as I 
as then as I do now. Yeah. But going like I don't remember what his ascension was like. Was it like always going to be the fact that he was going to be like that high of a pick? No, it was even a surprise on draft night. On draft night, okay, because I couldn't remember he was going to go high. The whole forgive me, but there were a group of quarterbacks, and I remember the the talk going into the draft was one of these guys is going to fall. Because I don't know if it was just the order of the teams and who needed quarterbacks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was like the all antsiness of who's it going to be. It ended up being Johnny Manziel. Yeah. So, yeah, it was. Honestly, I kind of want to look this up now because I remember I was at the Bucks draft party and the Bucks picked seventh and they picked Mike Evans, which has worked out like incredibly pretty well. well. Pretty well. People at the time were upset because they wanted the Bucks to take Johnny Manziel at seventh overall. Oh, boy. And that age I remember some some reactions in there, but. Yeah, no, it was just looking back at the 2014 draft class kind of funny because the, I don't know, the, the quarterbacks, like it wasn't like the like Jacksonville went wrong with it. Because really still like, had their best season in what, like 20 years with him at quarterback? Yeah, they went to the AFC championship game. Yeah. Like he was the first quarterback taken and then the next quarterback taken was Manziel at 22. That's and crazy. So that's what it was. was. There were, Teddy like Bridgewater I said, I was probably that... getting the best. Yeah. And he was, he went 32nd overall, but. Uh, I mean, Derek Carr went in the second round. So yeah, yeah I guess basically... it is for, I don't think the fact that UCF just in their history has had two different quarterbacks drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. I don't know if the average fan understands how rare that is. Yeah. And just even like, you can say whatever you want about his NFL career. Bortles is still a top five draft pick. Like, yeah, that's, that's something to hang your hat on. <laughs> like that's oh, crazy. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. And like I said, he, um, I, I, I wouldn't even really, maybe I'm being a biased UCF fan. I don't even know if I'd go as far to call him a bust. I don't know if you can call a guy who starts for five years for a team as a bust. He just didn't live up to the expectations of his pick. Maybe that's what a yeah. bust is. Maybe I said he's not a bust and I described the definition of a bust. <laughs> I don't know. Fair enough. Um. All right. So we got that one already. We will do. We're working through this. Yeah. Ashwin asked, what would our 2023 football record be if JRP wasn't injured? How much was the season a reflection of Timmy versus bad rush defense? I My hot take is I don't even know if the record's different. <laughs> I said seven and five. You think it's one game better? I can see that. I think, I think they win the Baylor game. I'm not even like want to say like the whole collapse against Baylor was on Timmy because it wasn't. Just because there's no way that happens twice. Just <laughs> I guess that's that's part of it. It just feels like, I don't know. And I know it's one of those weird things. Where it's like JRP wouldn't have let that happen. Like it's nothing you could do about it. It's like. It was just a bizarre thing that happened. For some reason, I feel like they hold on to that lead. I kind of with him in the game. I don't but know even why. then, the moment they lost the game was an RJ Harvey direct snap. Wasn't yeah. It? So I, I don't even so. know. So I don't really. It's it's weird. Look, Again, it's JRP like, it doesn't missed, happen twice. <laughs> JRP missed Kansas State, or he missed Villanova. Excuse me. Then he missed at Kansas State. Then he missed Baylor. We're gonna say he missed at Kansas. And yeah. then he was back. So, and, and then he wasn't healthy for, he didn't seem truly healthy until maybe like, I don't know, like Oklahoma state or Texas tech was the first time he was moving the way he had. So it's hard to say, but I don't think like the, the, the reason that they were not as successful this season as some of the fan base thought they should be is that they just genuinely didn't have the roster for it. They didn't have power five depth yet. The run defense was horrible. The linebacker room was bare. I don't ever think it was a quarterback issue at any point. I think JRP did yeah. a really good job of improving to keep it from being a quarterback issue. But I also think that, while Timmy was chaotic at times, I don't think those games were games that they lost because Timmy was bad. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't. He did what? some dumb stuff against Kansas State that wouldn't have happened with JRP, but I was thinking Kansas State was just a lot better than UCF. So. No, I think so. And that's what I was going to say. I'm, I, he didn't necessarily help, but I'm not going to pin enough of that loss on him to say it's a different result. And it's absolutely not the case that Kansas just, Kansas just killed UCF. Yeah. So you can't come out and like, say that. I mean, no. and, and Kansas killed UCF by just going straight at the linebackers over and over again. Like, yeah. there's nothing about who, quarter, who the quarterback is. Unless you're That's saying JRP I, was going to somehow, it was going to turn into a shootout where UCF wins like 63 to 56 or something, which I don't think. Yeah. But that's why I still think it's like maybe seven and five. Yeah. Maybe okay. Baylor doesn't happen again. Because that was just insane. I can get behind that. Can't believe it. Um, <laughs> still hurts. Uh, we'll get this one from Mike. MD Knight 2016 says... Which would you rather see get done first? And I actually haven't even really, I don't know if I don't have the answer to this yet. Roof slash awning over FBC Mortgage Stadium or Lazy River plus roof slash awning at John Uliano Park plus a new softball stadium. By new softball stadium, I just imagine he means renovations, not like a new stadium. They could, uh, it's barely a stadium. Like they could use, I guess so, yeah. kind of call it, it's bleachers in a box. I mean, you could technically call it a new stadium. Yeah. Um, my answer is that I sit in the press box. I don't care about a roof for, uh, the bounce house so i'll go worst. options you're the worst human um i did i ended up saying the latter which is surprising because like oh 
what you found it you found it like ladder with the TVs like an actual ladder ladder. (laughs) no I don't know and the roof awning at the baseball stadium like may kind of already have like the that little breeze I don't know you call it a breezeway but like that area that they've expanded with the club like under the club now is very like comfortable if you join a stand and watch the game like I've done that before it's more so the softball expansion needs to happen badly so I would say I want to see that first and then the, the lazy river and the baseball awning that's a that's a bonus in this case but... i also take for if they'd put like an awning over the bounce houses i don't know how much that's actually gonna they already sell at the stadium so it's not like that's gonna increase attendance it might increase no, people not leaving just... but i don't know yeah uh, i'd way rather me, have that... a lazy river you know I, I yeah the only reason i see that being a thing that i would want is because it would just make it a more i think it would make it a more enjoyable experience or like a more comfort have a little bit more comfort I will say I, I would know. never want a roof. I don't want them playing indoor football. Like this no, is no, no, that's no, an no, advantage. No, I, don't I, I want can, I want the yeah. other team to be, you know, sweltering. I'm thinking like probably what everybody's talking about is how they do it, how they have it in Miami, right? Right. The Kinda canopy. Like the, yeah. yeah, the canopy. And I think that would be a really good thing just because I don't know. How much shade does those do those things provide other the, than like for the people who sit on For the Dolphin own. Stadium, it's I've I've been there. It's shady. Like the, the stands are shaded, yeah. Yeah, then I that's I mean I would I would love that at some point because it would make some of these afternoon games a lot less brutal. Hmm. I'd yeah, rather have a lazy whatever. river no than one... a softball stage. <laughs> yeah, a lazy river that you're gonna be able to use. That's right. <laughs> I don't care. I'm just convinced in my head, and this is so stupid because I firmly with all my heart believe the lazy river is not going to happen. I don't know if we've mentioned on this podcast that Terry Mahadra and Mark Daniels did this like state of UCF video a couple weeks ago and Mark Daniels asked Terry Mahadra about the lazy river and he goes and Terry Mahadra goes, Oh, you're gonna see some movement there. Uh as early as this spring, we're going to actually start moving the football field away. So we'll have dump room some for more it. sand. And then dump some more sand out. And then after saying that they're moving one of the practice fields, I said the football stadium, I'm at the practice field. They're going to move <laughs> one of the practice fields to make room for the Lazy River. Then after that, he goes, and for the Lazy River itself, you know, we're still in the fundraising stage. Uh, we know it, it, it's never happening. They're stealing your money. If you are a yep. rich donor and you're listening to this podcast and Terry Mahadra calls you up and says, we want to build the Lazy River, he is fleecing you. They're never building that damn thing. <laughs> So, but I, in my head, believe that if they did build it, I think UCF would just start getting five stars. I know that's nonsensical, especially in the NIL era when five stars are going for like half a million a pop. I'm just convinced that if if they built a a lazy river, not a dumb lazy lazy river, river. because I'm also of the belief that if they ever actually do build it, it's going to be the worst lazy river you've ever seen in your life. They will half-ass everything. It's going to be the bounce house of lazy rivers. It's going to be all lame and whatever. So I don't buy anything about it. But if they ever built a real awesome tropical lazy river like in the one of pick one of the 15 different renderings they've come up with in the last six years every time they change it i think ucf would win the national championship in college football i just i i, I equate those things in my brain okay i just want the softball stadium to be expanded that's that's why <laughs> that's i answered the way that's i did <laughs> um this is the second to last question this one's from zach at zebel's ucf how would you describe timo's tenure as ucf's ad because he's making ucf so boring should we call him t less that made me laugh. I don't. I have to get through that for a second. Who do you want T less to hire after we bamboozle Arkansas into buying our broken Gus bus? There's a lot going on in this tweet. Yeah, there, I have tears my T less makes me laugh. Which so I also much. have to give a shout out to Zebels, if that's how you say it, for for every now and then creating like the most specific memes I've ever seen for some of our episodes, like just shockingly spot on. Yeah. Um, how would you describe Terry Mahler's tenure? Not good. Yeah, I don't know. I've listened on the podcast before. Like, I just, for some reason, I'm just having a hard time liking him. That's how I feel too. There's not been anything overtly bad, but I just also kind of wish he wasn't the AD. <laughs> it's, it's. I've said this before, and it's the best way I can phrase it. Is for the most part, he's been good at the important stuff, the fundraising stuff, the facility stuff. He he was slow to embrace NIL, but now he's all in on it. It's the not important stuff that he's bad at. It's the, I don't like Peter uniforms, so I got rid of it. That, I'm still mad about that, by the way. It's the, I don't yeah. like Peter uniforms, so they're gone. It's the, do fans really want to watch baseball on ESPN Plus, or should they just get a, a shot on iPhone video from the freaking dugout for the game? It's, it's or like yeah. when he, ever there's a microphone and he just says something that gets misconstrued <laughs> and, and becomes a big Twitter thing. It's, that's the stuff he's bad at. When he but, promised everyone that the Big 12 schedule would come out on, on Tuesday or something like that, and they were like, you remember what Baylor's like other AD ADs, like Baylor's AD was like UCF's not in the Big Twelve yet. Yeah, like, he said Mac Rhodes said I would remind yeah. him that UCF's not in the Big Twelve. It's, it's just stuff like that. Um, yes. We are at the point where there have been enough of them now. We can maybe start having the coaching hire conversation soon about how we think he's been doing. It's Gus Malzahn. It's Jenny Maurer. Maurer. I can never say her last name. And I Maurer. 
more. I have a hard time saying that. Yeah. Um, I also say Gus Malzahn's name wrong too. And I have a hard time that. saying Juliano. Is that what it is? John Juliano. 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 Just say you. Y O U. You. Juliano. Okay. Um, unless that's wrong, and if it is, I apologize. Um, <laughs> so what? It's Jenny Marr, Gus Malzahn, the TMSer, uh, TMSer, and uh, Rich Wallace. So there's enough Rich of them Wallace, now yeah. that we can sort of have a conversation. Because let me tell you, I think the Rich first Wallace want to know. <laughs> none of them are great. Is that fair to say? Like none of them are hitting what the hope was. And actually none of them have the program where it was before they were hired. We so, can't say that about Rich Wallace yet. Sure we can. They almost lost they they, they almost lost it doesn't the matter. And no, then in their is, next game, we're gonna lose. This is before my problem. they got saved well, by the rain. How do you know they were gonna lose? It was the fifth inning. That's they were losing the fifth Bailey, inning the night before. Bailey, you cannot tell me which by the way, this is we've talked about this in the podcast before. I just don't really follow like baseball is the sport I absolutely This is where I get this is where I get so, frustrated with you because you're like baseball's bad. And I was like, it's baseball. There's so much variance in baseball that you're gonna lose to you're gonna lose a dumb game like that. Florida lost to St. John's on Friday night. But I agree. But let me just say this. What's great about whenever we talk about UCF baseball, and this has been the case for years, is I turn into the type of UCF, UCF fan I hate, just uninformed and pissed. <laughs> yes, but, exactly. But I agree that it was one game. But then it was two because the same crap was happening in the second game. So and I'm not – I'm joking around. Like, I'm not yeah. honestly worried. But it's uh, – but I will say I also feel super emboldened because the only UCF coach I've ever seen on this podcast I feel should be fired was Greg Lovelady, and that's the one that got fired. So now I just feel like I have power and that I'm right about these things. The the thing with me is, like, we can start to talk about his coaching hires. We can start – like, the whole – he's been good at fundraising, yes. They've gotten a lot of gifts. What – and this might just be me being dumb, and I am dumb. What has he done with it? $12 million to renovate the basketball stadium and the practice facilities for basketball. Has that happened? Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like like there's nothing. New locker rooms for pretty much every sport. They've really, they've really gussied up the, uh, the Wayne Dench facility. They've, they've, they've been using the money. I mean, facilities are a lot better than they were when he came in. That was one area Danny White had neglected. I'm not going to, like I said, you can, we can talk all day about things Mahadra's done that make me want to pull my hair out and bash my head into this table in front of me, but (laughs) how he spent the money he's raising. Giving, giving Gus a contract extension when no one was coming for him. I can't overstate how much the pewter thing bothers me. Like, I know that's a really stupid thing to care this much about, but it's more the principle of it, of UCF had this, this uniform, this color, that fans really liked. And all fans said, hey, we love these. They're great. Mahadra came in and said, I know you all like them, but I don't. So we're getting rid of them. He said he to the Orlando Sentinel and on a UCF space. He said, yeah, I just don't like them. We're it's black not, and it's gold, not about man. you. It's not about you. You have a job because of the fans. The fans are who this is all supposed to be for. What was what was the thing, too, is uh, we're the only black and gold team in the Big 12. Not, anymore. That go? not anymore, you're not. How'd that go? <laughs> Do you remember yeah. he get Matt Marcella at the Orlando Senate asked him for a follow-up quote? And his follow-up quote was, I was not aware that they were going to eventually add Colorado. <laughs> it was something, it was just one sentence very straight to the point of, oh yeah, I didn't think yeah. that would happen. No, I didn't, didn't know it was happening, but I don't know. Um bring back Peter. Yeah. I, I don't care about Anthracite. Every now and then I tweet bring back Peter and some fans like, yeah, and Anthracite. I'm like, no, like we don't yeah, need that. We don't need it. Peter. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like I I would say what his tenures, I guess, been average. Like he, it's been he's fine. He's, yeah, it's been fine. He's just not the most likable. Today, I don't know. He, I realized he is. today. I realized. Well, it's relative to what you're expecting. Partially, like he was considered a home run hire. It was a big. It, it, he was he was a guy that a lot of bigger schools have wanted. It was considered a big deal. UCF mm-hmm. got him, and I guess just him not living up to that is hurt. And I, I got some clarification on how I feel about it today because Missouri unexpectedly lost their athletic director today. They took the Arizona job. It was considered a big deal. Now Missouri's open, and I for a second was like, ooh. Maybe uh maybe they want to call one Terry Mahadur. And I realized that the thought of him <laughs> taking that job made me happy. So I that that maybe is one of us. Go get go get yeah. Scott Carr, you know? Yeah, bring him home. Yeah. Um the other part of the question was who do we want T less to hire after we bamboozle Arkansas into buying our broken Gus bus? Scott Frost. I my, the only name I put down was GJ Kenny. I don't know. But I don't, I don't know. know. He's very he's a Texas guy, so I don't know. There's no home run. There's no... Oh, I have one. I have one. And I'm serious about this. Alex Golish. (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh, I thought about that. Forget the whole whatever Gus getting fired. Forget the... Like, say that Gus Malzahn leaves for Arkansas after this year. Which, like, if you listen to the podcast he just did with that at at Arkansas convention, like, not out of the realm of possibility. And could you imagine if UCF hired Golish? Is that what it was? Was it an Arkansas convention? 
I don't know what it was. It was some oh, sort okay. of high you school or Arkansas. It wasn't okay. like the state. It was in <laughs> Arkansas and it was a convention. Right. It wasn't that an Arkansas sense. convention, but could you imagine? I was like, what does an Arkansas convention entail? I don't even know. Can you imagine what Twitter would be like if UCF poached USF's coach? And I feel like he'd take that job too. Mm. Good think. New dream know. unlocked. <laughs> um. All right. Last one. Uh, this could break the podcast. Often oh, have asked, would would Christian prefer? Here are the options: UCF wins three national championships in a row in football while putting out incredible, unique uni- or jerseys uniforms every game, but Olive Garden ceases to exist, or life how we currently have it. I think yeah. everybody everybody's listening to this whole podcast just waiting for us to get to this one. So shout out to Austin Heff and shout out to Space Knights for putting me in this hell. Um, I have a couple clarifying questions that he can't answer since he's not here, but. The number one question, the number one question is, is the world going to know that I had this choice? Like, am (laughs) am I publicly making this decision? Because that's going to influence the answer. I don't think they, like, that's going to influence, because then I can't. I I would be killed (laughs) if if I didn't pick UCF, but... Listen, it'd be, all so I'm, funny all if, I'm saying, it'd be so funny if it was a public decision and you still picked life as we currently have it. All I'm saying is that Olive Garden employs almost 100,000 people across the United States of America. And you're asking me to fire 100,000 people for the sake of UCF. And I'm not sure that's fair. That seems that seems pretty anti-people to me. I don't know. Anti-people. Um, anti-people. 100,000 people losing their jobs. That's crazy. Anti-workforce, um, anti-people. It's actually funny because there was anti-Italian. There were some, oh God, there were some people talking about this in the comments. And I think it was Mike MD Knight who said, we all know that Christian's going to pick UCF, but, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to pick. I still haven't really decided. So I'm going to talk through it in real time. Let me okay. say first off that I need to clarify some things about the Olive Garden thing, because I'm sick of every time this comes up on Twitter, which is like a lot, people reply and are like, Christian, you need to go try a mom and pop Italian place. And then you'll understand. Or like, Christian, don't you get the Olive Garden's bad? Guys, I'm Italian. <laughs> My grandfather was born in Italy and did the whole Ellis Island thing and came to America and opened an Italian restaurant. Like, I'm good. I've had really good Italian food. I understand. I understand. I don't I don't go to Olive Garden and think, ah, this is the pinnacle of dining. I know that it's Olive Garden. It's that I've been going there since I was a very young kid. It was like the first restaurant when I was like three that I like fell in love with. And it's just been a lifelong thing where it's like, that's my happy place. I love Olive Garden. I love going there. And it's delicious. It's not good food, but it's fine. <laughs> it's like all these people are like, oh, it's not good. So you're telling me if you like, you can't go to a steakhouse and McDonald's, you have to pick? Olive, Gar- Olive Garden's great. I love Olive Garden. And it's affordable. $6.99 or it's $7.99 now uh for all you can eat soup salad and breadsticks so i i just want to clear i i stop telling me that there's good other italian places i know i've eaten at them they're great i just like olive garden a lot so i don't know because truth be told every time ucf won a national championship i'd want to go celebrate at olive garden I oh my god so I'm not sure. okay here's the deal i will pick ucf but only if i can pick when this takes effect like, I don't well, want so it to like be you, now. You don't want to be now, so you want to have enough time to where you can, like, slowly say goodbye to Olive Garden? Yeah, that's right. Like, I, I I would save it for, like, 2025 and then spend a year eating at Olive Garden, like, every day. That that's I'd agree to it if I could do that. You'd die. I'd be fine. I don't know if you would. I'd be okay. Um, <laughs> I'd be fine. Now I'll be okay. Um, okay. So that's my answer. As long as long As long as it's not, like, today Olive Garden ceases to exist, I will do it. I will allow UCF to win three national championships in a row while wearing amazing uniforms. I will let that So happen. if it did happen today, you wouldn't do it. Like if, if he was like, okay, UCF will win the national championship in 2024, 2025, and 2026, but you've had your last Olive Garden meal. Or are you going to have one more? Look, there UCF's go, recruiting really you. well on their own. <laughs> Gus Malzahn's a national championship winning coach. I think they can figure it out. I don't know if they need my help. We don't know. I think they. I think they might. I think. I think UCF might need your help to win three straight national championships. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. if I would just do it. Stumble I would into that it. on their own. I would just be really depressed about it, but I would do it. Oh God, <laughs> you feel awful. so dirty now. I do. I feel like I need to go oh, to Olive Garden. God. Yeah. Well, good. Good news. This isn't a real situation, so you can if you want. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> but now I get nothing. I had to think about that and get sad, and I don't. And I don't get three national championships. <laughs> Oh, turn on NCAA. Yeah, there you go. EA College yeah. Football 2025 coming out in July. Very I'm excited. still going to call it NCAA. That's the only thing we're ever going to call it, but I am excited. Yeah. EA College Football 2025. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not doing that. It's not good. Get out of here. Um, but yeah, it's coming out in the summer. That's great. That's kind of like the lead off of our football news, which I didn't even put it on here. But that's that's one thing to notice. 
Can I just say a quick shout out to both um, the questions we skipped, I believe, were Charles Zollers, um, who uh, we're going to do that at some point. Uh, The issue Mm -hmm. was I started coming, I started doing it for this podcast and realized it was going to be a whole podcast. And also shout out to Gaspar Level Enjoyer, who said it would be fun to look at past UCF transfers, how the crews panned out. We'll also probably do that at some point as a full podcast this offseason. Okay. Yep. Shout out to you guys. Shout out to everyone for the questions. We appreciate it. Every time we ask for mailbag questions, we get a good response and we'll probably just keep doing them because of that. So yeah, we appreciate it. Um, and I have fun answering. Like it gives us a chance to talk about a lot of like different things and it's fun. So stuff we wouldn't think of on our own. These aren't conversations right. that we would have. So it's, it's just fun. I thought it was a good podcast. You guys, like I said, you come up with some really fun stuff to talk about. So this was a good Especially one. when we're at the point in the off season where we are already, like it's yeah. like, we're still waiting for spring ball. We're waiting for this other stuff. So this we is the time it. to just have some fun hypotheticals about yeah. UCF national championships and the merits of Olive Garden as a delicious place to eat. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. A couple pieces more football news. UCF hired Tampa Catholic head coach Jarris McIntyre as its director of high school relations. Um, I don't know if I have like that's just a cool thing. I think that's like I, does everybody have a role like that? Because I think if they don't, I mean, they should. UCF's like, making smart. up titles at this point, but I think that whenever you can take a popular high school coach and employ them, yeah. I think that makes the other high school coaches more interested in your pitches and probably more yeah. gets your players more interested. So I think that's that's a, that's the thing that schools have obviously historically done. I think that was part of how Gus got his first job in college football. It, you know, you hire a very successful high school coach and you build inroads that way, and it typically works very well. So I'm all good with yeah, that. Yeah, he, he was an Auburn guy too, right? I think yep. he was, yep. yeah. Auburn player. Yeah, so that's... That's gotta be cool just for him personally, I feel like. Oh, 100 percent That's that's awesome. That's the dream. Um other piece of football news. The Big 12 will have their pro day, conference-wide pro day, March 27th through 31st. So I guess it's more pro days, but they yep. said pro day. Um, which I think we talked about this when they announced they were gonna do it last year. Like that is the best idea that I don't know how anyone didn't have before. It like, was a really weird thing where it happened, and even nationally, like some people were like athletic reporters and stuff were just like, like can you do, no you can do that <laughs> yeah like <laughs> such a good idea like, so um it'll be no, interesting if it has an effect is what's going to be cool like if some player who didn't get a combine invite obviously or wasn't really on a radar ends up as a late round pick or something because they had a strong you know because they got more eyes on them than they would have if it just been a school pro day i don't know it'll be interesting and i do wonder what the so the schools aren't having pro days is that this is, this is in place yeah this is in, this is in place each school can bring i think it's i think it's 10 to 12 players Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, yeah no, that's, that makes so. sense. I was just going to say, I don't know how the whole selection process works out, but. Well, you think about all these sense. scouts instead of having to, you know, schlep to all these different schools and some schools, maybe, you know, you're going to just have, you'll, I, I'm pretty confident all 32 NFL teams are going to be there. So where is it? Wasn't this, I thought it was supposed to be in Jerry world, but I thought I said it, said it was in Frisco. Is it in Frisco which, now? I think that's what it said, Okay. which I don't know what that stadium is, but it's where they had the shrine bowl. I think so. Yeah. It's like an indoor, I think it's an indoor one. I don't know who plays. Is that where you yet? No. That's Texas North, North Texas is in Frisco. No, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. No Whatever. Idea. Doesn't really matter. Um, game of the week, which is games of the week. UCF softball, they had this big tournament in Clearwater, which I ended up going to one of the two games that they actually got to play because of the weather was horrible all weekend. Uh, and I went to the one they lost, two to one. They couldn't score any runs. And then I left, and they scored 21 runs in the nightcap, and they beat Wisconsin. So. Then all the games were canceled. Yeah, and then they didn't get to play Saturday, didn't get to play either game on Sunday. Um, hopefully better weather out this this weekend um, in California, I believe. I didn't even write it down. It's the Mary Nutter Classic. Uh, they play some really good teams. Thursday they have number 21, Mississippi State at 2 o'clock, and then Oregon, who just dropped out of the top 25 at 5.30. Friday they play number 11, Missouri at 8.30, and then Oregon State at 11.30. So if you're one of those people who can't sleep in the middle of the night, turn on UCF softball. Um I just I saw that I was like eleven thirty. I was like I'll watch like an inning or two and then I'll probably pass out. Yeah, I'll start. Um, Saturday they play number five Tennessee at eight o'clock. That's the biggest game of the weekend, and then they wrap up with San Diego at ten thirty on Saturday night. So another chance, like a chance that they'll have to play some really good teams, get some really quality wins that they were gonna have more chances at this past weekend and didn't get them because the weather didn't cooperate, which was unfortunate because a lot of games got rained out and. I was very excited for those games too. Yeah. This is crazy. Like the whole weekend's weather, just everything was that's in baseball. We talked about it earlier. Baseball had Saturday. They've moved it to they they're gonna accommodate for it by like saying, all right, we won't try to play Sunday because that's just gonna be washed out either way. We'll play a doubleheader Saturday. They couldn't even get a whole full like an official game, they can call it after five innings. They didn't even get the five innings in yeah. to call out an official game of the to, first game. So to play that much and then have it count for nothing sucks. I yeah, mean, that's that's, kind of that's unfortunate. But 
Um, but yeah, UCF will go into this. UCF baseball will go into the the week one and zero after uh, one game. They play Miami this week though in the middle of the week. It's exciting. Um, but yeah, UCF softball six and two going into this big uh, big tournament over in uh, the West Coast. So all well, that tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. Let's stay on UCF baseball. Uh, tweet of the week is going to UCF baseball for their tweets, where instead of I don't know having an ESPN Plus broadcast or even just a single cam setup where we could watch the game, we got someone's iPhone from the dugout posting random highlights and trying to tell us what was going on. So shout out to UCF baseball for the the content instead of the broadcast. That was great for fans because you know if you're UCF, you might be wondering why do we do this? Why do we have an athletics department? What why does this exist in the first place? And you might come to the right reason that it's literally because of the fans and that maybe taking away their ability to watch things isn't the right thing to take away. Or you might think, eh, money. So shout out to yeah. UCF baseball for their very cool highlight videos. Appreciate yeah. that. I feel like it's important to clarify that like that, we shouldn't blame UCF baseball for that. <laughs> I'll blame UCF athletics. Yeah, we won't blame UCF baseball because I'm sure baseball does not want to. Not, I don't want. I don't think they want their games to not be able to be watched. Yeah, I think you are correct in that, and that I'm still <laughs> now tweet of the week is still going to UCF baseball because they are the ones who tweeted these videos. So that's how I qualify talking about this as a tweet. Um, but you are correct that UCF baseball is blameless in this, and I'm sure that they are on my side. Thank you, UCF yeah. baseball, for your support. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, we'll get out of here. Uh, this has been a fun podcast. Thank you guys again for. All of the mailbag questions, I uh, always enjoy these. So, um, yeah, we'll be back next week. We'll have a little bit of a different schedule next week. I'm going to Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. So we'll be recording earlier, um, leaving on Sunday. And so we have an early podcast next week for you guys to listen to. Until then, you can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at Simmons, at Night Sports Now, and at Pegasus Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being with us. We will talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.